Uh, I'm Kenny Luck. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Crossline. And I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying this series. Uh, I'm really enjoying this transformation series because, uh, namely because of my own story. I mean, I, I had a moment of honesty and, and faith where I crossed the line and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it's just been one story after another of personal transformation through thick and through thin, through plenty and want. Um, I'm not going to recite my marriage vows, but uh, a lot there too, changing as a man, a married man, a father, um, and God is continuing to work in my life. And I, I, I've been all over the world, I, uh, all over the continent, God, I see him do the same thing. When anyone in a moment of honesty and faith crosses the line and gives their life to Jesus Christ, he changes their life. In fact, the Bible says that you can't have uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ without transforming. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everybody say, in Christ, in Christ. Anyway, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away, and behold, new things have come. You ever heard that expression, stuff happens? This stuff happens. So if you're here and you're a believer, stuff should be happening. If you're here and you're, you're seeking a conversation with God, checking out Christianity, um, that's the life you're going you're gonna to get if you, in a moment of honesty and faith today, put your trust in Christ. Stuff is going to happen uh, in your life. And uh, it goes to the theme of transformed. Um, Christ has redefined me at every level. And that's, that's his end game with us. He wants to redefine us at every level and make us the people he created us to be versus the kind of person that we feel we ought to be or others say uh, that we should be. And so this morning, we're going to look at one of the biggest ways that, that Christ redefines us, and that's in our identity, all right? And, and that's, that's simply how we think about ourselves, how we define ourselves, how we see ourselves, our identity. And if you hang around Crossline at all, you will hear a statement, and you're going to help me out with it, I'm sure. And that is, the truest thing about you is what? That's it. The truest thing about you is what God says is true. So if you're visiting, you'll hear that. If you come back, you'll hear that. And uh, the reason we drill down on that so much is because if you believe and act upon, keyword act upon what God says is true about you, your life will be transformed. Some of you are here and you're going, oh, really? How will it be transformed? Well, when you abandon any image of yourself that is not from God, you transform. When you stop accepting what others have said or are saying about you, you transform. When you stop accepting how others have labeled you or how culture labels you. You will be transformed. When you stop believing all other definitions of yourself and exchange that for the one definition that matters the most, you will transform. When you start believing what God says is true uh, about you. It's powerful stuff, that identity thing. Here's why. Because whatever identity uh, you select, um, that identity is going to command your energy. Let's say it together. My identity commands my energy. Right. So whatever identity I pick is going to command my energy because what's in an identity? A way to be, a way to believe, and a way to behave. So whatever identity you pick, it's going to command your mental energy. It's going to command your physical energy. It's going to command your emotional energy. Um, on a more personal level, 
having God redefine you uh, works itself out in other practical levels. When God defines you, you're not defined by your feelings. When God defines you, you're not defined by the opinions of others. When God defines you, you're not defined by your circumstances, your successes, your failures, the car you drive, the house you live in and say you own, though the bank owns it. Right? Those things stop defining you. Now, whether you are a Christian here or whether you're not a Christian here, you are defined by God and God alone. Same for the Christian, same for the non-Christian. It's just sometimes we need a little help understanding because in the end, only God's definition uh, matters. And so when we think about this whole thing of identity and what is our truest identity and living out our truest identity, which is every one of us is on that quest. It's the greatest existential question ever asked. Philosophers have gone down that road and theologians and so forth. And the question is, who am I? And when you go, okay, who really knew who they were and who really lived out who they were? Well, we just sang the song. We look to the sun. We look to Jesus because in Jesus, we see a person in their truest identity and living it out. So what we're going to do this morning as we talk about transforming through God, redefining our identity is we're going to look at Christ and we're going to look at a person who lives out their truest identity and see what's going on there because that's what God intends for us, right? And then we're going to look at three aspects of our identity in Christ that are related to Jesus's greatest work. And that's the cross. So let's start with looking at Jesus. The first thing we want to look at is this about Jesus. My truest identity gives me the greatest integrity. All right. My truest identity gives me the greatest integrity. And you know what that means? That means I will be fearless. All right. Let's look at the gospels and see Jesus in action. In Mark 12, 14, it says, they came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't, stra- you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Everybody say identity. Now say integrity. Integrity, right. When you are in your truest identity, it gives you the greatest integrity and you're fearless. You notice that Jesus' critics and he's interacting with his critics. They know one thing about him. He's the real deal. And they say, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. What does integrity mean? It means he's undivided between what he believes and how he lives. There's no duplicity in him. There's no manipulation in in him. He walks the walk. His actions and his intentions are together. And Jesus is the, the real deal. And I love how his critics define integrity. You aren't swayed by other people. He's not a man pleaser. He's a God pleaser. He lives for an audience of one. Why? Because he knows who he is. He knows where he he came from. He knows where he's going. Those are the same questions we all need to answer. So that's a person living out their truest identity. They have the highest integrity. And when you have integrity, which means to be undivided between who you are and what you believe and how you act, you're fearless. So that's the first thing we want to recognize in Jesus and his identity. The second thing is, my truest identity gives me the strongest liberty. Okay, and as you might imagine with that word liberty, this means I will be free. So how do we see Jesus and his identity being free and having liberty? Well, in Matthew eleven nineteen, this is what it looks like. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, 
Here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. You know what? Jesus was, was, was in his truest identity and you know how we know he broke the rules. Whenever compassion or God's word demanded it, he broke the rules. He was free to break the rules of man and of culture. And he touched the ethnically unacceptable. He touched the racially unacceptable. He touched the physically unacceptable. In a culture where men said to themselves, thank God I'm not a woman, a kid, or a Gentile. Jesus defended women. Uh, Jesus told parables about the good Samaritan. He said, let the kids come. He broke the mold. Why? Because he was fearless and free in his truest identity. When you look at him uh, more, you see that in his truest identity, it got his best energy. And we need to learn that too. His truest identity gets his best energy. And I said that before, my, my identity will command my energy. What does that mean? It means you'll be focused on the ways of being, believing, and behaving, connecting to your identity. So how did Jesus talk about that? Well, you you hear him say things like this in John chapter nine, verse four. He says, as long as it it is, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. In other words, in my identity and in my space and time here on earth, I have limited time and a scheduled departure. So I got to work it out in this space in between. Now, there's a song that was written a while ago. It's called The Line Between the Two. Starts your birth date, and then there's that little line between there, and then there's your end date. It's, it's amazing that, that our significance and our identity and our impact and fingerprint on earth is on that little line between the two. So all of us here, looking at Jesus, we go, wow. He is fearless because his truest identity gives him integrity. Uh, his truest identity gives him liberty to break the rules and be who he really is and do great things for other people. And his truest identity uh, focuses his energy and it gives him this perspective. I'm here for a limited time. I'm going to serve the Lord. And then he says things to his followers like, okay, the sun is setting on your time. And we got we to gotta work in the daytime because night is coming when there's no other chance to get it done. I love that. Uh, about Jesus. Now, all of us sitting here, um, we need to recognize something. And that is that we all have limited time, an unknown ending, and a scheduled meeting. <laughs> you don't know. You drive out here. I mean, Chrissy and I were driving home from an Angels game, and a drunk driver ran a stop sign. And in that moment, I thought, I'm dead. I'm going 55 miles an hour. I can't break, and that car's coming at me like a Patriot missile. And it knocked us across the center divider. We got airborne, hit the other side of the curb, went into oncoming traffic, split the uprights of two aspen trees, went up an embankment and rolled back down into oncoming traffic. But God said it wasn't my time. But you know what it reminded me of? Is that we have limited time, unknown ending, and a scheduled meeting. And you know, when, when that's the reality, you better know who you are. Because that, that scheduled meeting is coming for you, whether you're here and you know Jesus or, or whether you're here and you're not so sure about all that. My Bible tells me that you're going to stand before Jesus and I'm going to stand before Jesus. All right. So when you look at, at Jesus' life, these things are, are very instructive. It's like, wow, look at him. Fearless, focused, free. Next thing I see about Jesus is his truest identity reflected his ultimate destiny. 
And that means that he was faithful. He was faithful. See the connection between hope and faithfulness. So if my hope is I'm going back to God, then while I'm here, I want to be faithful to God. So in that moment when I'm back with God, it's great. We see the connection between hope and discipline and hope and faithfulness. His truest identity as the son of God reflected his ultimate destiny. And he was faithful every day. He was without rest and energetic for all 33 years. He was intentional. And when God said go, he went. Now, how do we know that his identity reflected his destiny? Well, his last prayer while he was his feet were planted on earth, went like this. Jesus looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. It's like, God, you sent me on a trip. I'm here and I finished the work that you gave me to do. And now I'm coming back to you. And I'm so glad that I finished the work that you gave me to do. You see, that's the goal of life, to figure out, why are you here? What are you called to do? What identity will inform you in terms of, why you are here and what you are called to do. Well, Jesus models that for us. Your truest identity reflects what you believe about your ultimate destiny. And, you know, I just, you just stand back from this and you just go, wow, what a life. I mean, who here doesn't want to have an identity that syncs with who you are in such a way where you live fearlessly? You're free. You are focused. You are faithful. You are secure in who you are. And Jesus had all of that. And then we look at him and we go, well, where was his identity? It was in God. It was in his father. Now, I understand that that's all great. You're like, okay, he's the son of God. He has a little edge on me, okay? But this has implications because Jesus also said, now it's your turn. If you, if you are a believer and you cross the line, it's now your turn to live fearless in your true identity, which is as a follower of Christ. It's your turn to live free in that identity and focused during this limited time that you have. It's your commission to be faithful and secure and live for an audience of one like Jesus. You see, my Bible says that when you become a Christian, the end game in God's ultimate plan for you is to make you like Jesus. So if that's his end game, then it makes sense that Jesus would say these words in John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now in football terms, that's called a handoff, right? And he's handing it off to his followers. And he's saying, okay, going back, going across, going to resurrect, going to go be with the father, handing the ball off to you guys. You're going to do even bigger things than I did. You're going to reach more people. You're going to see more miracles. You're going to go more places on the globe. 
you know, as I go to heaven and continue to work out my part of my redemptive plan for mankind and humanity, you're going to be doing your thing. I'm going to be doing my thing. Wow. That's, that's the age and time that we're in. And so with the time we have left, what we want to do now is look at three aspects of our identity, which is rooted in Jesus Christ and three of uh, his aspects of his character connected to the cross. So let's look at those three aspects and then we'll make some application because each aspect of what's true about him and true about you because you're his follower uh, uh, transforms us. So the Bible says that three things are true of you that are connected to Christ and his work. Okay, say this with me. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Say, I am resurrected with Christ. I'm resurrected with Christ. And now say, I am seated with Christ. Okay, now that's, that's kind of a little abstract, but I think we get the words. Crucified, resurrected, and seated. If we do the more pedestrian translations, it's he dies, I die. He's alive, I'm alive. He's there, I'm there. Okay, that's what that, that means. And God says that, that you are crucified with Christ. He dies, you die. You're resurrected with Christ. He's alive, you're alive, and you're seated with Christ. He's there, and you're there. And I need to attach a, a, a word to that. Now, that's for right now. It's not then and there and here and now. It's here and now. So let's look at those three things and see what the, the, the application is for our identity in Christ. And if you're here and you're just checking out God, this is the life that you're considering joining as you consider making the decision to come in Christ. So here's the first thing. God says, I have been crucified with Christ. That term is mentioned in several places, but here's a couple places. The first place is Galatians 2.20. And uh, it's the apostle Paul. And he, he says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I just want to talk about that word crucified. What do we know uh, about that word? Um, that if someone is crucified, someone is going to what? Die, right? Okay, now then we have Paul saying, I've been crucified with Christ, but you're alive, all right, so he's, he's not physically dying, but someone's going to die. So the question is, well, who died? Well, he's saying it's the person who controlled his life before Christ entered his life, right? There's been an exchange of leadership and an exchange of control and an exchange of agenda, an exchange of priorities. Now, Christ lives in me, okay? Everybody say, new rule, new rule. Now say, new filter, New filter. Now say new energy. New energy. See, that's, that's, he goes on. He says, okay, I'm crucified. I've been crucified with Christ. The person I was before he was in my life, that person's gone, going away. And there's new rule. There's a new filter for how I live. And I got some new energy. Well, what's the new rule? Well, Christ is there. New sheriff in town. What's the, the new filter? Okay. He says, I live by faith in the son of God. In other words, everything I do, I have those glasses on. My faith in Jesus Christ is now the set of glasses through which I filter life, relationships, you know, my mission, my purpose, who I am. And then there's new energy. You say, where does it say that, Kenny? Well, it doesn't say the word energy. He just tells us what his motivation is. He says, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. That that is his core impulse in terms of living for God. Jesus, the man who in his truest identity went to a cross and died a bloody death so that Paul could know God. That's his new energy. Paul talks about this in Romans 6. And he, he kind of gets a little bit deeper into it. He says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled, there's that word, by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And, and in that passage, Paul tells us exactly what being crucified with Christ means. Take a notes, write this down. It means I die to my sinful nature. Say, what does that mean? That's my nature, not the one where Christ is in control. That's the old me. That's the one where I was in charge. That was the one where I made the decisions. That's the one where my motivation was my own self-interest. That person dies and Christ replaces that person. So Jesus died once for sin, we die to sin. And when we accept what Jesus personally did for us on the cross and we come in Christ, we now begin this process of what the Bible calls dying to the sinful nature. It talks about it in Colossians 3. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Aren't you glad it's a process and it all doesn't happen at once? It's just like, okay, I'm in Christ. Now, do everything in your new identity. No, that's not how it works. It's a process of setting aside and doing away with and putting to death in the language of scripture. Now, when I read this passage, I just, I just hold up the mirror and I just go, wow. There immediately, when I crossed the line and I became a person who is in Christ by faith, there's a behaviors that went away immediately. And it was not because... You know, I thought they were bad necessarily. It was because they lost their significance. You know, that was my old identity. And how many of you in here have ever done anything dumb to get somebody to approve of you? Anybody? Okay, well, boy, you know, I mean, I, that, that's the story of my life. I mean, it's just like, well, I'm not going to do that, 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 and that anymore because that used to be in the old person and now I'm in Christ and that's stupid. All right? I'm not going to do that. But they just lost their significance. That wasn't my identity anymore. I wasn't chasing the acceptance of people. But, you know, as I moved along with Christ, it moved from the outside things to the inside things. It moved from my public behavior to my private thoughts and behavior. It went from the pe things that people saw in my image to the, the, the things people never saw and the unseen things that God began to, to, to poke at and work on and go, you know what, that has to go away too things in my character, attitudes I kept, ways of thinking, that's got to go too. My sinful nature began to die. So what does being crucified with Christ means? It means that you're in a process 
of dying to the old you, to your sinful nature. And here's the good news. The result of being crucified with Christ is freedom from sin. You know, one of the, one of the things I just look back on in hindsight, hindsight's what? 2020. You look back and you just go, man, why did I ever live that way? You know, this way is way better. You know, and you look back and you just go, that, that sucks. You know, that wasn't fun at all. And I woke up dehydrated and with headaches and bruises and all sorts of other bad things. It's like, okay, I'm glad I'm free from that life. But you're free from something. It means that you escape. When you get free from something, it means that you move away and you get lighter and you get lift. Well, that's what it means to be crucified with Christ. Second thing God says is, I've been resurrected in Christ. Right? That's part of your identity if you're a follower of Jesus and it will transform you. It says in Romans 6, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Listen, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. The death he died, he died once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, this is what it means. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So he dies, I die. He's alive, I'm alive. Well, how is Jesus alive, right? Well, he's alive physically. He's got a new body, a new resurrected body, and he's eternal. And guess what? You get one of those too if you're in Christ. It's awesome, right? But he's also alive going forward from earth to heaven, fulfilling and serving God's purposes, so he dies, he resurrects, but he doesn't resurrect just to resurrect. He, he resurrects and he's fulfilling God's plan and God's purposes, which gives us a little clue that if we're resurrected with Christ, that's what's going to happen with us. We get a new body, all right? Physically, great. That's why Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. Great. It's a physical resurrection. But then there is a spiritual resurrection of purpose, all right? We die to sin and we resurrect to serving the Lord. And just as Christ died definitively and finally to sin, so do we. And as we remove ourselves, as he removed himself from the cross and sin and he rose and he resurrected, we are removed and risen and we move away from sin to serve God's purposes. So what does being resurrected in Christ mean? It means I'm alive to God's way. I die to my sinful nature, but I don't stop there. Now I'm alive to God's ways. Well, what, what does that look like? What does being alive to God's ways look like? Well, I say no to temptation and I say yes to God. I say no to myself more and I say yes to other people more. I say, you know, no to things going on out there in culture and ways of being, believing, and behaving out there. And I say yes to my identity in Christ. I say no to my way and I, I say yes to God's way. Just a few examples 
of what happens when you're resurrected and made alive to God's way. It transforms us, right? And tells us. All right. Lastly, God says, I have been seated with Christ. All right. We sang that song. I wrote it in while we were singing it. It says, the one who bore our sin and shame now is robed in majesty. Okay. Jesus went from the cross and the tomb He resurrected, and the one who bore our sin and shame is now seated, where? At the right hand of God, all right? Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, it says this. It says, he's seated, we're seated. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ. Okay, how many of you have ever been given like great seats to a ball game or a concert? All right? All right. So, pastors sometimes from very wonderful congregation members get tickets to sporting events that are awesome and they appreciate it deeply. So, you get those tickets from your friend and you know, it's just like, oh, I'm just blown into the stadium and I got this little special pass and I got the parking lot and then I go up a special elevator with these special carpets and then you go into this special room and there's special things being served there and I have this special vantage point. It's like the reason it's special is because there's a special vantage point to where your seats are. It's just like, oh man, we're, we're right down there in the front. We're on the stage or, or, or we're up in the box seats or we're in the Diamond Club at Angel Stadium or, or whatever, right? And that's what's great about great seats, right? It's what's going on there. Say this with me. Better seats, better experience. Papa John's. No, just kidding. Uh, better seats, better experience, right? So, you know, when you think about what the Bible says, it just goes, and God raised us up and seated us with him. What's going on there? What's, what's going on in the heavenly realms? That's, that's insane, I mean, we're here, but we're there. It's, it's, it's there and then, but it's here and now. It's like, we're seated there now. We got a seat. And guess what? The Bible says that we can go there and we can participate in that place. And we were just doing it as you were passionately worshiping the Lord. You do it as you passionately pray and you listen to the scripture and it says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness seeking grace and mercy to help in time of need. And we spend time with God and we have a dialogue in his word and we have a conversation and it takes us to that place of power and beauty and majesty and confidence and, and, and sovereignty and providence. And we, we feel safe and we feel right and we know who we are. Wow. That's how it transforms us, right? It's got a great seat. And it's not then and there. It's here and now. Even though we're physically here, we can go there. You know, in my family, we try to do uh, one big thing for our kids at Christmas. And um, this last Christmas, my daughter Jenna, you know, prior to Christmas, she literally had memorized and could sing every song from the Broadway musical Hamilton. You guys know that? So... um, so, you know, and, and now it's starting to tour, come out of New York, and it's going to Chicago and Seattle, and, and the tickets are crazy expensive, and there's a big line, it's a lottery, and it's like, if you get to go, it's a miracle, right? So, 
you know, as moms do, they're so good at kind of like, you know, looking for things that are special for the kids. And she's on our credit card website and she sees, you know, the Hamilton symbol where it's Hamilton and he's sticking his arm up. She sees like the finger and she goes, what's that? She clicks on it and it's like limited time, two tickets, 75 bucks. Okay. So Jenna, Christmas morning has no idea what is coming. Watch this. Yeah, because she's a bad mom. <laughs> what? You know, like the, the character. Oh, Frittata. 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 Go for it, Jenna. You say Frittata. Okay, you guys are right I say Frittata. Oh. Yeah, because Lewis, he's. Well, no, I take good care of Lewis. Open at the same time. Wait, hold on. Don't open the box. I know what this is. Okay, ready? Okay, ready? One, two, three. What? great. I mean, I've never been more excited seeing anybody open anything ever in my life. That's totally Jenna. But um, do you notice her excitement over having a seat? See what happened to her? She just got super emotional and super excited and super overwhelmed. And, you know, it's February 7th. It's not even now. It's in Chicago. It's there, February 7th, and then. Chicago, right? But here and now, Christmas morning and in the days prior leading up to February 7th, is it shaping her here and now? You bet. Emotionally, she's getting ready to go. She's, you know, and, and that's, that's really the, the significance of being seated with Christ. You've got to see. But it's not there and then. It's here and now. And it, it should be shaping you mentally and emotionally and energetically. And you should be excited and, and getting ready to go. So being seated with Christ, what does it mean? It means what's going on in heaven shapes how I live on earth. You know, yeah, we got a seat. But we can go there and we just did it in our corporate worship. And we do it when we spend time with Jesus. And we go there spiritually to just sit with Christ and sit with his word and sit with his character and sit with his commands and promises and what he says. And we just get all of that heavenly power and majesty and beauty coursing through our minds and in our hearts. Now that shapes our present. So you got a seat. So God says he's there and in Christ you're there. The only thing left to do is get there, right? We're going to get there physically, but you can get there now spiritually. God gives you an all-access special pass to talk with him and be with him. Now, in closing, this morning, you're in one of two camps, okay? You're, you're either in Christ, and by the way, the Bible says that over 160 times. Why? Because it goes to your identity. For those who are in Christ, and then boom, 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 boom. We just talked about three, Okay? But you're here, you're a Christian, you've crossed the line, you are in Christ. And God is redefining your identity. And I don't know where you're at in that process of working with God to redefine you. But I know that it should involve, because it involved with Jesus, learning to be fearless in your truest identity, free in your, in your truest identity, focused in your truest identity, 
and faithful in your truest identity because you know your destiny. And that should be happening in your life. And if you're here and you're a Christian, all right, you need to kind of think about that. Are you free? Are you fearless? Are you focused? Are you faithful? That's Jesus. Jesus lives in you. Makes sense that he would call you to that way of living out your identity in him. And then there's another group of people and, and you're not in Christ as God word, God's word in Jesus Christ defines it. You're, you're on a quest to search for and discover your truest identity, but boy, it sure sounds good to find it and to feel fearless in it and free and focused and faithful. Well, I'm here to tell you that you can have that right now. You can, you can become a person who crosses the line and comes into Christ and begins to transform and live the life that God calls you to live. You can experience his salvation this morning and you can begin to experience the awesome transformation that Jesus alone brings to a life. And, and if that's you and you're ready to start that life and journey, or if you're here and you're a believer and you're ready to reset your journey, I want us all to bow our heads and let's go to Christ where he is seated and let's have a conversation with him. Lord, we're, we're gathered here and in faith, according to your word, we present ourselves to you, the most high God seated on the throne. In all your majesty and love and mercy, we present ourselves. And for those of you who are ready to begin a life in Christ, you in this moment before Christ might want to say, Lord Jesus, I'm ready to step into your life. I want your life in me. And I'm ready to exchange control and my agenda and my nature for your leadership and your control and your nature. I want to change. I want to transform. I want to be the person that you want me to be. So I invite you into my life as my forgiver right now and my leader and my savior and my destiny. And I want my relationship with you to transform me. I don't know everything that it involves, but I'm willing to start and walk with you. Come into my life and make me the person you created me to be. And now in this holy moment before Christ, there are you, his believers. And you're before the throne in faith. And Jesus is here. We're gathered in his name. And you might just want to say, Lord, I, I want to live out my truest identity. And I know that that's in you. But I need your help. I'm not as fearless as I want to be. I'm not as focused as I want to be not as free to break the rules for you in my life the way I want to be. And I'm not as faithful as I want to be, but I ask you now to reset my heart and to make me a person who knows who they are to the degree that 
It gets my best energy and my highest integrity and produces my greatest liberty because I know I have a seat at the table. Let that motivate me now in Jesus' name. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your house. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for saving people this morning and bringing wanderers back and refocusing your people because we are made by you, for you, and we're headed to you. We thank you for this word from your scripture this morning. And all God's people said, amen.